Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. Every two weeks, we post podcast versions of one of our free training videos, or you can access our videos now at beyondordinarywomen.org. Enjoy the podcast. This is Kay Daigle of Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries. This podcast episode on biblical archaeology is one that you may prefer watching on video because it has pictures of the artifacts we discuss. To access it on video, go to beyondordinarywomen.org, click on resources on the menu, drop down to church issues, and click. I'm Kay Daigle of Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, and I am thrilled to to welcome you to this video series on biblical archaeology. And our guest is Angela Everett. Angela has a master's in biblical, in archaeology and biblical uh, studies, and she is working on her PhD. And she is so kind to share with us today some of her excitement because she's She's very excited about archaeology, and you'll see that as you go through this. In our first video, we really talked about why it's important. Why do we get excited about archaeology if we are Christians? And in this one, uh, she is going to hone in on some Old Testament archaeological finds uh, that are very significant to the Old Testament. So welcome, Angela. How are you today? I'm great, Kay. So glad to be here. Good. Well, we're so happy you're here. So let's just get into this because I know you have some significant um, funds to share with us and we want to know all about it. Great, great. Okay. Well, in the archaeological, archaeological world, we have a plethora, tons of things that that confirm the veracity and historicity of the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, today, we only have time to go over two. I'm going to go over one artifact and one site. So we'll just jump into it. The first one is the Merneptah Delay. The Bible records throughout their history, the Israelites and the Egyptians had significant interactions with each other. But until the late 19th century, we never had any extra biblical evidence for those interactions on the Egyptian side. But all that changed in 1896 when an archaeologist named Sir Flinders Petrie discovered a huge 10-foot tall inscribed monument, which we call a stele, and he found it in Thebes, Egypt. That stele recorded the victories of the ancient Egyptian pharaoh Merneptah, and, and we think he reigned from about 1213 to 1203 B.C., now, the stele primarily records uh, Merneptah's victories over the Libyans. He was bragging about his victory over the Libyans. Okay, but the last three lines are interesting to us as Christians, and they talk about a separate campaign that he waged in Canaan. The last three lines on the stele record, Israel is wasted, its seed is not. So the Pharaoh claimed to have destroyed Israel. And we know from the Bible and other ancient sources that he did not completely wipe out Israel. Now, this is not a historical biblical contradiction. Any Egyptologist will tell you that the Egyptian history is highly propagandistic. 
and that if the Egyptians recorded only they're very good and none of their bad. So we're not surprised that Merneptah says that he just wiped out Israel. But apart from the propaganda, this Egyptian record is highly significant because it is the oldest definitive reference we have to Israel as a nation outside the Bible. So the Merneptah stele is important because this shows us tangibly that by the 13th century BC, Israel had been freed from Egyptian bondage and was functioning as a nation in the land of Canaan. So once again, tangible evidence for the biblical text. So, so exciting. It really is. That's great. Yes. What else do you have to share with us? Well, the next one is, is my all-time favorite because it, it personally involves me. And of course, you know, if it involves you, it's your favorite. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. So we've established that, you know, when I'm not mom and wife, I, I'm, I'm an archaeologist these days. And, and God has blessed me to do something I'm passionate about. So usually at this time, not in a pandemic, I'm in Jordan at a site called Tal El Hammam. That's what it's called in Jordan, Tal El Hammam, which we believe after excavating for 16 years, the team of excavators, we believe it to be biblical Sodom. And so that's very exciting. And I'm going to tell you why we think it's biblical Sodom. So Genesis 19 records, then the Lord rained down upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire out of the heavens, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. Okay, so that is the biblical record of what happened at Sodom. So for the last 16 years, um, a group of us have been excavating at Tal El Hammam, and there's been a special team um, organized to just figure out how Sodom was destroyed. And they've been using things like astrophysics and chemistry, and these people are way smarter than me and above my pay grade. But the team has, has scientifically proven without a doubt that Sodom was destroyed by some type of cosmic airburst event that came out of the heavens and destroyed the city. That has been recently published in Nature Magazine, and you can go online and read it for yourself. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. It, it is the most downloaded scholarly article, I think, of all time. Yes. Wow. Yes. So, and I know from my excavation experience that everything on the site looks like it's been blown to the Northeast. So the scientific analysis team thinks that whatever came out of this heavens to destroy the city came from the southwest and blew everything towards the northeast we see all the walls uh 800 pound grinding kerns all kinds of things blown one direction completely unusual completely unusual there's no other site like it in jordan or israel that i know of like that and in generally another thing is we find pottery by the hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pieces of pottery that we have just on this site. And usually on any other site, when you find a cool piece of pottery, you start looking around because there's more cool pieces of pottery, generally right there. Okay, well, not at Sodom. It, it, there's a big joke that if you find a cool piece of pottery, oh, it could be 10 miles away. 
It could be up in the atmosphere. It could be anywhere, but it's probably not right there because what it looks like is that a bomb exploded. That's what it looks like. And, and, and it's inexplicable and it's not like any other site. The same thing goes for human remains. We do find human remains, but generally we only find them in the context of maybe like a wall fell on top of them. We find them underneath mud brick walls. So like they were protected from the initial blast. Um, and when we do find them, we rarely find whole skeletons. We usually find um, pieces of people, you know, and the body parts are all scattered and disjointed. We theorize, especially the scientific team, we theorize that um, much like the atomic bombs that, that were dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima in World War II, we really think that it was a bomb of that type of magnitude. And the Japanese government said that it literally vaporized like 150,000 of their citizens when the atomic bomb fell in Hiroshima. We, we think that's what happened at Sodom. And, I, and I'll continue to explain why. So another huge thing that we have found there that we have found at no other site is we have found normal clay pottery that has been melted into glass on one side. So like the inside is normal and we know it's just regular old clay pot pottery, but the outside has a piece, I mean, has melted it into glass. So our, our director, Dr. Stephen Collins, brought those melted glass pottery pieces and had them um, analyzed at the University of New Mexico independently. It had nothing to do with our site. And as soon as he walked in, the scientist said, oh, where'd you get that trinitite? He said, oh, this is not, this is not trinitite, which is that glassy residue that was uh, on the floor of the desert in New Mexico when they tested the atomic bomb. He said, no, 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 this, this came from somewhere else. You just do the testing and then I'll tell you later. Okay, so she did the testing on it. And she told us at the end of it that there was only two things that could turn regular clay pottery into glass on one side. Only two things that would produce that kind of heat. And she said one would be a volcano, like spewing magma into cool water. But she said, that's not it. I mean, it's not magma, this is just clay pottery. And she said the only other thing that could produce that kind of heat was an atomic bomb. And we know they didn't have atomic bombs 3,500 years ago. So if it's not something on the earth that caused this pottery to melt into glass, hmm, sounds a lot like something off the earth, like Genesis 19. So I can tell you, uh, I'm 95% sure that we found Sodom. I mean, if we got a welcome to Sodom sign, if we found that, then that would make me 100% sure. But I'm 95% sure we found Sodom. And, and so why is that important? Why is that important to us as Christians that we think we found Sodom and we've proven scientifically that it was destroyed from something out of the heavens? Because that confirms Genesis 19. And it not only confirms Genesis 19, but it also confirms the 46 other references to Sodom's destruction in the Bible. So it, it confirms over and over that the Bible, what the Bible says about Sodom is true. It really happened. So once again, God gave us tangible evidence that his word is trustworthy and reliable. So wow, I'm excited. That, 
Well, I'm excited too. I've, I've never even heard about this. I mean, I've, I'd heard that there was a place that they thought was Sodom, but I've never heard about this pottery turning into glass thing, whatever, whatever it's called. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm excited. And, and now we're going to go into the New Testament, some of the discoveries that have been significant that verify New Testament things in our third video. So I know that you, our audience, will not want to miss this. Thank you, Angela. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcast episodes and resources for women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast is produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministry. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Deborah Herring, and Sharifa Stevens. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used courtesy of Christine Miller. <laughs>